0: Guru Nation, welcome to episode 766 of Random Musings from the Clinical Trials Guru. In this episode, I actually met up with a former CRA Academy student of mine, Dr. Rick Young, super impressive PhD, uh, who is now working full-time in clinical research as a consultant for someone who I had on my podcast before, his boss, Terrell. Terrell Payton, fra- the founder of NUMA, Which is a consulting firm. They specialize in affecting change in sponsors and CROs and agile project management and all kinds of really cool things. This is a perfect podcast to kick off the new year with because you hear us get deep into the nitty gritty of all the issues and inefficiencies that are out there, which means a number of things. Number one, we could complain about them, but number two, We can find opportunities for ourselves no matter where we are in this industry within our careers. So check it out. Quick shout out to my sponsor. First one, Inato. It is an amazing tool for getting studies for your site free. It is a critical component of my business development strategy. You do need therapeutic area expertise currently, but it is free. They do not get involved in the contracts or budgets. It's just matchmaking. Between sponsors and sites, they get all their revenue from the sponsors. So you, as a site, do not need to worry about anything. It is free. There is no catch. Everything is amazing, in my opinion. With Enato, the next sponsor is Creo. I could not imagine life without Creo as an e-source, e-reg, CTMS. I just unlocked the patient recruitment features. There is components of. Uh, managing your finances there's auto texting there's there's so much with Creo and they're always adding new things including their marketplace and their site profile for helping you potentially get more studies as well so check out Creo as well in the show notes and with that being said I hope you enjoy this episode with Numa
1: Guru Nation, thank you so much for watching make sure you like, subscribe, comment, share if you're listening also the, the links to everyone on here will be on The show notes to their LinkedIn. All right, this is a very special episode. We have a CRA Academy grad, Rick Young, who's in here. He just finished. Which course were you in? The January. Yeah, I was in January. January twenty three course. I
2: was. I was in the January course.
1: So he came out, went into shadow, but he got hired before the internship ever started because he hustled and he found this man Terrell. who needs an introduction? You've been on the podcast before, but remotely, you lit up the Zoom interview like no other. I mean, I did this Zoom. I do podcasts with people all the time on Zoom. The one we did, I left energized. I was like, mm-hmm. this dude, I don't know if it's the glasses or like the <laughs> stuff he's saying. I was ready to run through a wall for you, man. Yes. So I can tell you've got a lot of characteristics that we're going to try to unpack here for this pod, especially as they relate to life sciences. Um, and then Marvin, yeah. who's brand new to research, but is from a very disruptive industry of tech. <laughs> yes. Software? software, 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 software. Yep. And you're probably looking at our industry like what the heck is going <laughs> on? <laughs>
3: Yeah, there's a lot of exciting things that I'm learning. Obviously, this is my first time being on a clinical site. <laughs> That's a nice site. pivot. Yeah, yeah And uh, <laughs> you know, your team is great, and you, you you made us feel welcomed. And I feel like out coming crazy. out of here, I'm I'm gonna learn a lot. Really? So, yes. What, what did you like? What
1: was your biggest takeaway from the day?
3: I think my biggest takeaway is the one that I asked you the question about, like when considering a site for clinical trials. Right, the location is one of them like accessibility to the diversity of, you know, the people who can participate in in clinical trials, like Native Americans, you know, um, whites, et cetera, Latinos, et cetera. So, yeah, I mean, that's one great, you know, aha moment for me. And I think um, you know, seeing your people in the ground doing the actual work kind of adds to that rich experience. Yeah, for these me. are the
1: ones doing the work. Shout out to people like Grecia yes. who's camera shy, but she gets on every now and then. Terrell, yes, Numa, Numa, what what was the idea for this? There's obviously a lot of inefficiencies. We've kind of touched on some of these during our podcast, but mm-hmm. maybe we can explore a little bit more yeah, for some sure. of these inefficiencies and maybe what you've learned so far too.
4: Yeah, absolutely. So I'll, I'll first start by talking about The inefficiencies. I come from pretty much a very similar background as Marvin, just happened to make the switch sooner uh, and with a little bit more tenure. And so there's a lot of things that we figured out in the software industry as far as how to get teams of people to behave and perform better. And the life science industry, pharmaceuticals in particular, is about 15 years behind (laughs) as far as those modern ways of organizing and orchestrating work and activating people to get the work done. And so as we got deeper into this journey, I was thinking to myself, who else would I be able to bring into this picture? And they go, oh, I see exactly what you mean. So Marvin is someone that I worked with. I actually coached Marvin yes. uh, at two companies that he worked for. The first company, I was a consultant helping them explore better ways of right. working. And then the second one, he landed at the company, and he was like, dude, you got to come out here. You oh, got to so talk he, about this. You
1: recommended him for that new company? Yes. yes. I was gotcha. 18 back then. So. So, this dude, <laughs> so this dude, Terrell, no matter what industry, he'll, yes. He'll, he'll, yes. he'll come in and figure out what needs to be changed and how to fix it.
3: Absolutely, because I think, you know, where we come from is agile project management. The skills, the discipline, the values are kind of portable. Agile. Yes. Mm-hmm. I've heard that
1: three times today. Like, what does it mean?
4: <laughs> yeah, so it's a way of attacking work more bottom-up than top-down. Mm-hmm. I mean, and the way I'm going to explain it is going to sound very common sense, so please bear right. with me. All right. But we lose our common sense inside large organizations. We do. Right. We get so, into why later, too. I yes. want to get into so that. So we'll, we'll take the work, a big chunk of work and then we'll chop it up into pieces and then chunk it out over X number of weeks. So we have this big thing that needs to be done. It's a big, massive three-year plan. We take that, chop it up into quarterly plans. Take those, chop those up into monthly plans, and then chop those up into week plans. And when I say week plans, I don't mean, hey, I'm gonna be working on this thing from this week all the way up until June. It's like, no, chop it up to specifically what is it that you're going to deliver For that week, that's a piece of that thing Mm. over time. You take that, you can divide stuff up horizontally over time. You can also divide it up vertically over different team members. Think if we needed to write this book and this book had 10 chapters. One way is Dan slaves over all 10 chapters. Another way is Dan outlines, hey, these are the goals. These are what I want the user to take away from each of these chapters. And then each one of your 10 team members goes and makes the first draft of that. You come in and you do the quality control. Uh, This is okay. This is okay. This is okay. Change this, change this, change this. All right, guys, go and take another week at this. But within two weeks, you're already (laughs) getting to the second draft of the book. Now, you might need to do five or six more of those iterations, as we call them. But you can see the picture now, dividing work that way horizontally over time and then vertically over people. And then iterating on it where you do a quick first cut. And then you figure out, how do we make this just a little bit better? It may still take you a full year to write that book, but you've done 52 iterations of improvement over those 10 chapters. It's going to be a phenomenal book. Chances are you'll probably get that book written in 12 weeks if you did it in this way. So take that and expand it over, say, a clinical trial, a global clinical trial, multiple people, multiple countries, multiple sites. Divide up the work horizontally over time, divide it up vertically. In large you know organizations, it's over like hundreds of people that we're dividing up the work. It makes so much sense. I think that sites do this
1: naturally well, especially mm-hmm. the smaller the sites, the better. Yes. It's like I didn't know what agile means, but as you're describing it, like that's literally all we do. We yes. have daily goals, even with Gracia, like. While we were waiting for you, we were like, hey, who's coming Wednesday? Who's coming Thursday? Right. Who's coming Friday? Mm-hmm. Like, let's get them in scheduled. Like, right. those are our weekly goals, daily goals. Right. Exactly. I mean, we're doing that right. already. Yeah. But the yes. bigger organizations, even mm-hmm. the bigger sites, I think money, having an abundance of money, yes. prevents that pragmatic approach. Correct. I agree because with Because mm-hmm. money buys you time. It's a luxury. Mm-hmm. And then that time gets wasted. Mm-hmm. And then you end up in these situations where you need to Terrell and the team to come in and say, look, you guys need to simplify this. What the heck are you guys right. doing? I
4: say the big difference, the delta that I see between big companies and small companies, you're the entrepreneur, you're the founder, you're the leader. You're working side by side with your team. So if there's any ambiguity about what's priority for the day, hey, Dan, just to make sure this yeah. is priority for the day, right? Yeah. Right. Cool. Now. Take what I just said about chopping stuff up, stuff up over time and then over people. Now add, I don't know, six layers of management between the average um, right. clinical research associate from the sponsor side and the VP of clinical operations who owns that portfolio. And, and by stores. the way, all
1: of those people are trying to protect their job, not necessarily do what's right for the business. Exactly. Yep. Exactly.
4: <laughs> and, and, and they tend to, you know, do the thing that they've always been told to Safe. do. Yes. What will not get me fired. What will not get me in trouble. But will still keep me here. Right. right.
1: And no one's yeah. really going to care as long as we don't run out of money and we have a good amount of money.
4: Yes. Mm-hmm. And, and the status big quo will eventually catch up. There's places to hide, right? At Yuma Clinical Trials. There's nowhere to hide. That's right. So right there. If, so <laughs> if somebody's not pulling their weight, it's obvious, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah. At a big company no, where there's 200 people helping pull through a trial, there's people that you literally wonder, what do they wow. do exactly? Or have never right? met. Or never, or met, never or met or never respond to emails. Or never respond to emails. Yes. Never after respond email. To emails after yeah. email. So so Dr. Young, yeah, I think one. you have a unique perspective on this, uh, if I may, it Yeah, yeah. Please. Um So, you come from the military. I do. Which is a large organization. It is. And most of what we know about leading people in large organizations comes from what we learned from the military. Mm -hmm. United States military in World War II, industrialized prior to that, all the way back to Roman times. If you need to organize a bunch of knuckleheads to be effective at getting something done, you have leaders who lead groups of people, and those groups have leaders on down and down. So, you've seen A, the military, Mm -hmm. B, Numa, right, mm-hmm. very small company and we right. see our clients. Mm-hmm. You We'd know, love to hear some of your observations about where the disconnects happen and why they can't do this very simple thing. You know, if you get six people together around a table and say we need to get something done, what will come out is agile it, so Agile is codified common sense that you reteach to people at big companies. Mm-hmm. So you've seen the right. big company thing, <laughs> right. you've seen how we do it internally, you've heard Dan talk about it anecdotally, and right. you've seen how it's done in the military. What do you think goes wrong at these large organizations as far as keeping people aligned and coordinated and actually making them effective?
2: Yeah, so that's an interesting uh, observation because in the military it's exactly as you described it's a large large organization that can be almost uh personified as a city because each base is is like a city Mm -hmm. right and there's top management and it trickles all the way down to the e1 and then that's like that's the military in general but then you have these special groups Mm -hmm. and they're called either special warfare or special Mm -hmm. forces, and they work agile. They work amongst each other. They make their own decisions within the group. Even teams of instructors, they worked within the group, and they make decisions on the fly. But you don't make the decisions on the fly as an entirety of the US military. Mm. The general, We'll look at strategy. Then it goes down to whoever the XO or the CO is, and then it goes down to the first shirt, which then it goes down to the squad leaders, which then goes down to the team leaders, and then th- it's just this huge pyramid structure. And unlike big pharma, mm-hmm. that I've had the opportunity to both work for as an Abbott and then work for as a cl- or work with as uh, our client Abvi, is interesting because. In the military, you can't throw money at a problem, mm. right? Mm. You can't do the same things that a large organization can. And so the the problem still exists is that you have individuals in the higher ranks that are disconnected from what's going down mm-hmm. in the trenches, mm. and there's no conduit, there's no liaison that mm. is allowing mm. this information to go from one side over to the other side and worse what I see is that even though the leaders may have a vision Mm -hmm. the individuals that are engaging in executing on that that vision they don't really know what the vision is of the leaders and they're unable to come to a consensus amongst the group to move forward Mm -hmm. even in the decisions that they make
4: so I have a follow-on question in the military how do they get that bottom-up information flow?
2: So in the military, it's really, it's really simple because there's ramifications, right, for, um, for doing things that are against orders, right? So you have a very small team. It usually exists of about eight people, and you have a leader. And so what you, you use is you use a chain of command. Got it. Okay. And so if you don't know what you need to do, and you're an E1, you go to the E3, mm-hmm. right? And if you're an E3 and you don't know what to do, you go to the E5 mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and then and up and up and up. And then they usually have actual titles that they're given so that you know who to go to, ah, but that's man. how it works in the military. So if you're mm-hmm. E1 and you're no smarter than the Bacharachs, well, you know where to go, you mm-hmm. know, you go to the E2. Mm-hmm. And if they don't know, then you <laughs> go to the E3, and <laughs> so et cetera, simple, et cetera, right? yeah. So simple with open-door policies and things get done. Um, but with pharma, maybe not so much. Mm-hmm.
3: <laughs>
1: well, I think in the military, especially in war, like the, this chain of command makes sense, but teaching people how to operate autonomously within the confines of their role mm-hmm. yeah. is important because mm. if you get two targets, I mean, you got to pick one. Or you're gonna be the target, right? And you yeah. don't have time to go ask. Well, what do I do? You, you're trained to do something. Whereas in our industry, the timelines are not that urgent. They might seem urgent, but urgent might be three months from now. Yeah, right. Right. And maybe like a week from now, you need to re- send a report somewhere. the The stakes are not as high as in mm-hmm. war. Right. So I think time and money mm. kind of just complicate things and there's no bigger example of this than pharma Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. from what i under i mean i'm biased because i this is all i know right Mm -hmm. but as a site owner and operator like where we're forced to eat what we catch Mm -hmm. Mm right agile makes sense to me even though i never heard about it until Mm -hmm. today
2: Yeah. (laughs) yeah right but dan the thing is is that you know When you're talking about the consequences, the consequences are are the same in pharma as they are in the military, because what is going to happen is loss of life. It's just Mm. that in pharma, it takes a lot longer. It's slow slow motion. It's a lot longer because disease doesn't kill you as fast as a bullet does. Mm -hmm. Right. But we're still talking about life.
3: Yeah, I mean, the stakes are high, right? But I think in comparison with agile in the military, right? One of the things, the values that we are advocating for Agile is collaboration, right? In the, in the military, I've heard, you know, chain of command, mm-hmm. which is all good and respected. But in Agile, we're trying to break that barriers, right? We're, we're, we're advocating for more collaboration, both vertically from the people ground up to the manager, to the director level, and even to the VP. So you're talking just a, one company? Ross. yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And also across multiple teams uh, we're, we're trying to break silos by mm. promoting and advocating collaboration and you know working together. So that's what so, agile brings to the table.
1: So that's within one company now imagine throwing in in clinical research yep an extra two mm. stay called the CRO. Uh, now you <laughs> got the sites. Now you got all the vendors. Yes. Right. So how do you foster mm-hmm. that communication amongst that's Separate what, companies. Yeah, yeah, that's
4: one of the things we're working on because that one is not as easy for no. a nut to crack, especially when there's mm-hmm. a financial transaction involved. Right. So we can all talk about, oh, we want to be we want to work with the ecosystem, we want to work with the partners, we want to be a good partner, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. But the moment I'm paying you, you are now a vendor. And I'm not mm-hmm. talking about my personal philosophy. I'm telling you about the switch that tends to flip because now this is procurement. Now this is a cost how do we mitigate against this cost we mitigate against this cost by having very strict guidelines for performance right. against that contract now strict guidelines for performance against a contract is not a good place to start collaboration mm-hmm. right right because now feel like team members exactly we feel it's like car- boss. exactly it's worker. carrot and stick it's yeah. boss and worker. so like on paper i'm these guys' boss the reality is We all succeed and fail together. You know, I I pay them because that was part of the agreement. But when we're having conversations about what needs to get done, I have to come into this as these are my partners because I can't figure everything out on my own. Yeah. And so I I consider it a privilege that these guys allow me to pay them and they choose to give their time to building this particular vision. Because these are two very smart, hardworking guys that could be anywhere Mm -hmm. doing anything. Right. So I think just the whole philosophy of where that interaction starts from the place of transaction, therefore, contractual obligation, therefore, legal's involved, procurement's involved, finance involved, accounting is involved, all the bean counters and non collaborative the number people rather than the people people are now involved. And that's the starting place. Now, we talk to lots of teams that are involved either in site management, right? (laughs) Think about that name, site management, not site partnership or site <laughs> right. collaboration. Site Most sponsors call it site management because the sites are something to be managed. Mm-hmm. You manage things, you collaborate or lead people, right? So if you and I are supposed to be working together. <laughs> right. So we're a think. Yes, yeah, so yeah, I'm, I'm not gonna like, yeah, I'm going <laughs> to be like, yeah, I'm going out to manage Yuma clinical trials. Like, no, I'm going out there to collaborate. I'm out, I'm out here right. to teach. I'm out here to learn. I'm out here to see what's happening. I'm in here to see what your world is like. So, so you know, that's, that's the start. That should be where the starting place is. Yeah, but that's not where the starting place is. I'll tell you why is.
1: these big pharma think that way, though. Yes, sir. Everyone's got their hand out. When they Mm -hmm. see big pharma, like all 15 vendor new study is announced, especially phase three, 30 vendors come out of nowhere. Not sites, just vendors. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep. Here, here, here. Give me, give me, give me this, what I do. This 100%. So they're kind of, they've got to be somewhat jaded Mm -hmm. and then they put people in these places to manage, that I, process right
4: to, to manage the process yeah not yes. to build a relationship not to build but, but, but at the end of the day i think you know if you if you have your list of trusted partners then when it's time to kick off a new study you can you can quickly separate the signal from the noise mm-hmm. because you have real relationships with real partners mm-hmm. and let's just say for the sake of argument you're like ah, i'm not sure if we can take it because there's all this other stuff going on but for you i'm gonna see what we can do because you've always done right by me. I want to do right by you. Yes, you pay me. That's just part of the deal. But at the end of the day, it's all about people trying their best to do right by each other so that when there is a slip up or there is a miss or there is a delay in payment, you can call me up. Mm -hmm. Hey, man. So reciprocity is still a thing regardless of the... At the end of the day, it all all comes down to the humans on both sides of that transaction. Start with mm -hmm. the human first interactions. Everything else we can take care of. Good relationships make good business. And, and something something that, that I've heard anecdotally uh, from people is on the sponsor side, uh, and this is kind of grapevine talk, but they're basically like, a lot of these therapeutic areas are getting very crowded and very competitive. Yeah. And so there is already starting to become murmurs of, okay, how do we work better with sites? How do we be more competitive? How do we be the partner of choice mm-hmm. if, you know, you're yeah. running three different sites, uh, three different studies, in the same yeah. TA that you're attempting to recruit for.
1: Who do you go with? Who do right? we go with? Me and Gracia ultimately make the decision. Put this patient in that one, and put that one in this one. Mm-hmm. Everyone thinks, oh, we pr- we present everything to the patients. Right, they decide. Usually, it's the clinician who decides, like, hey, I think these two, these three studies, especially if they're the same TA, mm-hmm. therapeutic area, mm-hmm. it boils down to people like me and aggressively. Like, do- absolutely. I think you're better absolutely. off in this one.
4: Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's <laughs> getting to the point where at least some of the larger CROs are going back to the sponsors and being like, love working with you guys, but you're too slow. Here's... How we interact with other sponsors. Here's where you are. So people are starting to put together scorecards for sponsors. Doctor Fox is doing it. Yeah, well. I know. That's what I was mm, just thinking. My I mean,
1: boy, Doctor you, Fox. Your Shout, guy, out, shout to out to Doctor Fox. Man, <laughs> yes. Slow down on the memes, Fox. <laughs> <laughs> He's the best. Yeah. But yeah, he got a PEC score for every sponsor, mm-hmm. and he, when I brought up Eli Lilly, he's like, oh yeah, I can confirm they are highest on that list, or one of the Ah, highest. mm, So like, the nerds also confirm what I'm coming up with anecdotally. Mm -hmm. And I don't work with all the big pharma, but from my experiences so far, like, that's a very pleasant surprise. Very nice. Very nice.
2: Yeah, that really is the difference between site management and site partnership. Exactly. Exactly. And I feel
1: bad, if I we have deviations all the time, I mean, we have new staff, we're busy, deviation's going to happen, yeah. right? mm-hmm. I feel extra bad when it's their study. Mm-hmm. just oh, I do okay. and I'll go out of my way to make a Kappa plan even if I don't mm-hmm. have to. Sure. I just go out of my way to clean up their study because right. I know like they're treating me well. Mm-hmm. Reciprocity, yeah. I gotta yeah, do my best mm-hmm. for them. and, and everyone they, else it's like, eh, you mentioned transactional, it, <laughs> yeah, yeah,
3: reciprocity, right? I think having that kind of level of relationship there's almost like a feeling of shared ownership right yes. and accountability and i think that's exactly what you're describing as you have established this relationship if you will you feel sorry and bad if something goes bad with your partner slash you know um business partner if you will right mm-hmm. so there's some uh, sense of shared ownership and accountability i think i think that's what we need and i, I think
1: yep. the magic is figuring out and that's
4: what you guys do best is yeah right
1: cracking this code for the big companies out there. yes
4: as best we can and you can yeah. see even though marvin has only been working with us for a few months mm-hmm. a lot of what he knows a lot of the lessons that he learned in coaching different kinds of organizations yep. he's already starting to be able to lift and shift and it's literally the same kinds of problems yeah. mm-hmm. and
1: this if you're a small site or a site and you're watching this you're not immune either because a lot of sites treat their employees as transactional. Mm. I could pull out my phone right now. This guy's been texting me, from my other coordinator from my other site. Mm-hmm. He works at a bigger site. They got bought by some conglomerate. He's texting me today, hey, man, I'm sick and tired working here. These people treat me like uh, crap. Right. Mm-hmm. And this is a ra- like master's degree, yes. raider. He feels the same way as like I feel as a site <laughs> right. For these sponsors. Right. Yeah. The help. They treat you like the yeah. help. Transaction. Yes. Not yeah. relationship. And yes. one of, yes. one of the things I try to do is have like relationship with the staff. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Hey, like Gracia, you I you need to be honest, tell me like what you want to do in the next five years and I'll mm-hmm. help you get there even if it means you don't work here anymore. Right. Yeah. Right. And then she feels a certain way. Hey, if she feels I'm being genuine, mm-hmm. yep. she's going to go out of her way to do a good job. Right. right. I mean, to me, it's common sense, but a lot it of these is, sites yeah, out there is, are not operating is. like mm-hmm. this.
4: Well, and a lot of people don't know how to build relationships. Right. Right. Everybody knows me from. Being online and people who interact with me personally, it's like I have a very specific style, and people are like, Oh, yeah, I remember that guy, the guy yep. with the glasses. <laughs> mm-hmm. But even outside of that, I have to build a relationship with these guys. I yes. can't just be like, Go do, go do, yeah. go do, which mm-hmm. is why I was like, Hey, guys, mm-hmm. let's go to Yuma. Because. And Rick's it, been saying nothing but good things about you <laughs> good. Oh
2: my God. 99% of the time. <laughs> I know, I know what kind it's of it's guy you are based off of Rick. <laughs> Based off a lunch with Rick. Rick's a saint, man. (laughs) Rick's a
4: saint. But my point is, like, when we do stuff like this, like last night we went to dinner, we went out to drinks. Mm -hmm. When we go to travel to other client sites, we try to fit in things to actually build a relationship among each other. Mm -hmm. So, for example, I know Doctor Young is very interested in understanding the MSL role, and I told him the same thing that you told her, Mm -hmm. which is. Let me know what you're trying to do. Let's figure out a way to get there. In the Mm -hmm. meantime, let's focus on those skills that will get you closer. So with one client, there's uh, a person that we're working with, one of the work streams is basically all about medical affairs and MSLs. So I'm like, hey, Dr. Young, I'm running this work stream, but I'm gonna invite you to all the meetings so you can get some exposure and build relationships with these people, because I think, you know, at the end of the day, this is a relationship business. Mm -hmm. You could easily find the side door into medical affairs through your relationships, even though you've never had MSL on your resume. So by the same token, I I know that this guy is destined for bigger and better things. I'm nice. just glad he decided to join me for the part of the journey that he's going to join me for. Yeah. But I'm mm-hmm. Team Rick just as much as Rick is Team Numa. I'm yeah. like, what are we trying to do? Oh, yep. you're trying to be an MSL. Okay, well, here's the MSls I know, and here's who we're going to talk to. Remember, we started yeah, yeah. setting up calls yeah. with people I knew and mm-hmm. like, you know, kind of doing information. That was yeah, interviews. that was really really right, early. Right. Yeah, on in, on. But I wanted to let you know. Yeah. This is before you even started working. Yeah, yeah. Me. No, we. Weren't. I was letting you know that when I say yeah i want to support you in doing that that's what i mean yeah mm-hmm. like you know you working <laughs> we, for had me call, or not yeah, we had or a
2: call yeah we had a call we i wasn't even working with terrell but we had a uh ms teams call i think it was or a zoom call mm-hmm. and uh i was on it and it was some guy i don't even remember who it was but it was somebody that you know who uh who had a comfortable living let's just say <laughs> Yeah, And so I and I was just there as a as a fly on the wall as an observer mm-hmm. getting exposure to this theater yeah, and watching uh, Terrell do his magic and You know having a conversation building a relationship with yep. this individual So that he could execute on something down the pipeline mm-hmm. with this guy, mm-hmm. but it was in yeah. medical affairs mm-hmm. right based upon about 200 conversations that I had with MSLs and a discovery that I came upon when having these conversations because a, a general theme kept on coming up that they didn't like, like, oh, yeah, you know, I like this, this, and this, but I like this and this, but, and I shared that with Terrell, and Terrell was like, hmm, there might be an opportunity here, so, um, but, you know that might be executable at some juncture down mm-hmm. the pipe, it will but right? And I yeah. said I would yeah. love to
4: help you develop that. Let's talk to some MSLS and see how they react to it, mm-hmm. and we can yeah. start incubating these ideas.
2: Yeah, but then the world caught fire, and, <laughs> and, and yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and now here we are. Here we are. Yeah, yes.
3: yeah. I think I, I want to add something. Please when, zoom in. When moment. we talk about the relationship building, how important it is. I think you're going kind to of mention at a high level there is the relationship building with your vendor, and there's also the relationship building with your, with your staff, with your employees with in your the team, company, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, coming in first time on a clinical site, uh, you know, uh, site, I was impressed by your team. And I say this with all sincerity, wow. that w- when, when I came in there, everybody seemed to be happy, they're having fun, and obviously they know what they're doing because they even did it, like, I, I don't think that's you know that's planned right <laughs> they did the, 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 the test like on right there right yeah and I think you know that's very important nice. that you actually establish the kind of environment that fosters mm. that psychological safety if you will there and then also while we were brainstorming about your grand vision of having new sites etc people are welcome and they feel safe to actually express their ideas, yeah. right? Yeah. So I think that's one of the values or uh, practices in Agile that we are trying to foster. So you've been doing it without you calling it Agile, <laughs> mm-hmm. but yeah. that, that having establishing that psychological safe environment where people can actually express their ideas and then be part of the solution, mm-hmm. right? Is is one thing that we are advocating for. So Kudos to you as their leader and their team, they're having fun. And in agile, we always say that the best results come from happy and motivated teams. Mm. And I see it like firsthand. Wow. Mm -hmm.
4: Thank you. Yeah, welcome that's, that's what we try to go for i mean <laughs> and, and keep in mind dan a lot of times when we when we crash landed a company a lot of what we're doing is leadership observations right a lot of right. what we ah you guys hear it odd at me, me yeah. watching. <laughs> <laughs> well we're nerds about it it's so we, so far. we naturally right. pick up on it we're basically right. picking up on the vibe and the emotional connection mm-hmm. between the people because that's really where team effectiveness starts people literally being connected to each other like feeling like family right feeling like this person has my back so Subconsciously or consciously, as we walk around yeah. and, and see you interacting and just hearing the conversation, the conversations we're having with you and your staff, just feeling free to jump right. in and contribute. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like, oh, the big boss is talking to yes. strangers. It was just like, <laughs> <laughs> they're
2: like, oh, oh yeah, I'll move right down right? to Tijuana. Let's do this. I know, I know. <laughs> right? We talk, yeah. we so we talked about you know, Paco, we're about to start a, that, start right? up a site yeah. in San Diego, oh, and steal well. your staff Let's and the it. whole thing. <laughs> but, but, but no,
4: that's really cool because it makes me slash us feel like for today we're part of your team Mm -hmm. like we can just sit around and chop it up like real live humans you know your staff included nobody feels all tight or like they have to act a certain kind of way but is it possible to keep that because i think in a
1: small business first of all if you're running a small site and you don't do that like i don't know what's wrong with you it's not that hard with a small team sure the challenge is when they get bigger yes Mm -hmm. um
4: Do you think it's possible or do you think it's idealistic
1: and like a large
4: organization? A little bit of both. You just have to be a lot more intentional about it. So what a lot of companies do is they'll hire somebody with a lot of leadership experience. And that person's job will be like community manager. Right. What do they do? They arrange fun fridays once a quarter (laughs) they figure out what's going to happen with the holiday party they figure out everybody's birthday to make sure we get bagels in the office that day and the things that i'm talking about are really small and by themselves inconsequential but if you think about for example many years ago i worked at yahoo yahoo at the time had twenty thousand employees right but i felt like a team with my team and we had an admin and between the admin and uh my boss They basically had a whole roster of, like, team connection and community activities, and they had a budget for it. And I asked Sonia, the admin, one day, I was like, so so how much do you spend on all of this stuff? Because the break room was like a 7-Eleven where you didn't have to pay. Mm -hmm. Pretty much anything you needed from, you know, sugary snacks, healthy snacks, V8, juice, the whole nine. We would get catered meals once a week. We would get, you know, all the perks that you would get from a tech company. And I asked her, how much does this cost? She said, uh, we make an initial budget of $100 per person when they get hired, and then it's an ongoing $17 a month per person hmm. for all for these fifth? perks, $17 a month. Very practical. Very practical. <laughs> but if you, you imagine a team of 15 people, 17 bucks, right? That's $250. $250 back in those days, back in the olden times, y'all. Back in those days, $250, that was, hey, guys, we're going to cut out at noon today and go watch the new Star Wars movie. That's, hey, we're going to order $30 worth of bagels every week just Mm -hmm. so you have something to look forward to. It's a bunch of little small things. But the point is it was thoughtful and it was intentional. So I think in, in larger organizations, if you were like the VP of clinical operations at a big sponsor, it would be unrealistic to expect you to be able to lead that whole organization and be the community manager. Right. right now, because it's a small, you know, small organization, you can do that. You can be both head cheerleader yeah, and yeah. head coach. Right. As it gets bigger, you usually retain leaders usually retain that responsibility of being head coach, but they don't typically have support on the cheerleading and community building mm-hmm. aspect. So that's the part that has to be intentional. Some people do it by hiring someone and it's a paid, you know, mid-level manager role of community manager. Some people tell folks, hey Allocate ten percent of your time to joining the community planning committee. Whatever, whatever, whatever. Mixed results on that way.
1: People will take that stuff seriously too.
4: They, they do. Yep. they do. And I was actually talking to one of our clients about yep. the the list of priorities on on their list of things to mm-hmm. do. And one of hers was, oh, I'm part of the parking committee. This is a company in the Northeast where parking is, you know, a big deal. They don't have infinite wide open space like you do here in Yuma. (laughs) (laughs) And and, and she was like, no, this is a real priority because we have some things we need to solve before we break for Christmas. Mm -hmm. And so I could tell just by how she Mm -hmm. talked about it that it was serious to her it was serious for her. And you want those passionate people who are passionate about the holiday party or passionate about the company retreat or passionate about whatever, and actually build that into the operating model of Mm -hmm. the company, not as a, if we have time or budget allowing, but a fundamental part of it, no different than getting everybody a laptop.
2: It's, it's interesting because, you know, there's, these jets that are flying out here, the, these Marine Corps jets. We take for
1: granted now. But you Right, know, right. I, and like. I always
2: think I was they are so cool. They're like literally out. You could see the pilots.
1: I'll be doing a Zoom right here, and like a jet's just hovering down landing. Right. I'm just like having a conversation on Zoom and like
2: just yeah. staring at There's it. Like, one you you're so passed. close to them. The, the flight line is like literally – stu- right you here. throw right a, right a stone. Here. You could yeah. throw a stone. But in the Marine Corps, it's – It's unit, core, God, country. And they teach it, Mm. right? So Mm. from the beginning, you know where your priorities stand. And so you need to know that your unit is the most important thing. Mm. You're not selfish.
3: Mm. Like you're
2: not one person. You're part of a team. First and foremost, you are part of a unit. And without you in this unit, it breaks down. And so when leaders... Engage in that and they're a part of it. Then you become a family, right? I'm part of this unit and these people are important to me Mm -hmm. or this project is important to me. This parking is important to me. And so when you take that ownership that you were talking about, Uh things really do start changing. And I think they they took ownership of the sites, Eli Lilly took ownership of like, we really need to have a relationship with these sites. And Mm -hmm. when you take ownerships, you become part of that unit.
1: And that was intentional. Yeah. yes and then the arguments mm-hmm. well they're the biggest market cap pharma they should be able to do that well you have that's to make, besides the point yeah it is yeah. besides
2: the point because you have to make a decision to do it yeah
1: it's still and then
2: ingrain it into and your the culture. other ones are not really doing it from my <laughs> experience so
1: they're due they got to be you know we got to give them their flowers when they're here yes, yes. <laughs> switching gears real quick yeah to wrap up um mm-hmm. by the way everyone's linkedin's underneath you have a linkedin too right? i will connect oh. you with you okay we'll yeah. put everyone oh, on there sure. i think
2: i think i'm i think i'm following you yeah I think yeah you are. i think i i think i, I just am. tagged you on a youtube i think i nice. may have like left maybe a hundred or 150 comments or something oh like wow some, <laughs> thank you over thank the you. course of you know months it. shout out yeah. to the syria
1: academy we're sure. really like so happy when our students do well in the real world um big shout out to you rick for doing that and showing like with a phd this guy goes out there and hustles his way to get job mm-hmm. as if he doesn't have any degree, you know, like a lot of people that with PhDs or even masters, they're like, no, that's beneath me. Yep. Somebody should ah. come find and, me. And, and oh, that's yeah.
4: Yeah. what made my brain click. Yeah. Dude, right. You did all the work necessary in your military career, right? What did you do in the military? Dr. Young?
2: Well, ultimately I became an instructor. Yeah, but, but
4: the, the hot shit you used to do, <laughs> jump out of planes.
2: Yeah, yeah. Well, um, so the seer the seer um, schoolhouse is a it's it's a it's a school that's intended to um, prepare people that are, have high risk of capture um, from being isolated. So it's essentially, special forces and pilots. Right. So, this, guy so it's was part, this It's part of the spec spec ops of the Air Force. So
4: let me recap, <laughs> PhD, spec ops instructor in the military, yep. eager, hardworking, and willing to start from the ground level. Correct. He said, I don't know anything about consulting. I was like, I can teach you the consulting part. What I can't <laughs> teach is what you've already shown me, yeah. mm-hmm. that you're just
1: willing. The last thing you probably wanted was another consultant. Hey, I got to do consulting for Liz X, Y, Z. That's probably the opposite of what you wanted.
4: There's pros and cons, right? Mm -hmm. Sometimes you just need somebody who can go in and do the thing. But as far as the philosophy behind the company I'm trying to build, I want to be able to take people from industry. Um, you know, and and train them up on how to do the work that we do. I want to take people from other industries that have an idea of what we do and show them how we do it here in this business. And the same thing with Dr. Young. I want to be able to take pretty much anybody who's willing to work hard and hustle and help make them successful because I can work with hustle. If we all hustle, we will all succeed. Yeah, the skills we'll learn that on the go, right? Yeah. This is the very team-oriented environment. We teach each other stuff all the time. Right. What I can't teach you is how to hustle. So
1: that's my you philosophy have that, with we can these work with you. these guys you too. Can. Everyone that got hired is capable of that. You can't teach
2: personality, but you can teach mm. you can teach science that's all day right. long. Right. That's right. 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 Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: So last thing I want to get into because the the whole sticky note thing is like. Yeah, really a thing for you guys. Right? Yes, very yes. yes, yes. Can you break it down? We don't have that sure. many stickies around yeah. here. Yeah, yeah. That so will change. I apologize. <laughs> I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's that that. will change. So
4: I'll 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 explain okay. it to you this way. Earlier, I talked about breaking down a problem horizontally over time, and then vertically over people. Oftentimes, the part that needs to happen before that is thinking, what is it that we need to actually do? Right. Figuring out what are the to-dos. So these sticky notes are a way to get people to visually think together, meaning everybody writes down what's on their mind, and we go through a different, these different sets of exercises to either combine the information into different categories, or take the information and split out so we can prioritize what's important and what's not. We use that to build any sort of go-forward plans, and making things visual means that you don't have to have a separate meeting to bring people along the four of us were involved in concocting the idea and the strategy for what it is we were doing so when it comes across your desk as a powerpoint you kind of go oh yeah i remember we talked about that right so codifying it and formalizing it is different from the ideation and the collaboration necessary to get the information in the first place so the sticky notes are a way to allow teams to collaboratively solve problems Most of the problems that our clients need to solve are cross-functional problems, meaning you need someone from pharmacokinetics, and you need someone from safety, and you need someone from clin dev, and you need someone from ClinOps, and you need someone from patient recruitment. These are people who all come from different worlds that need to come together to solve a problem. They all have different backgrounds and perspectives, and so you can't rely on, we all know what we're talking about, right? Right? We all have the same idea, right? Right? And if you do, it turns into those never-ending meetings where you just discuss, 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 discuss. At the end of the day, what makes an effective team is the ability to take action, make a decision, and move forward. Having a way to visualize what's in everybody's mind so you can organize and arrange the information so that you end up with a go-forward plan is a big part of the sticky notes. It's a, it's a muscle, if you will, that we teach teams how to use instead yeah. of just sitting in meetings staring at each other all day
3: and in addition to that you know in addition to the benefit of visually visualizing work if you will the other thing is in agile we are a big believer of you know responding to change over following a plan say for example you have a year-long plan that's represented each of the activity by a sticky note right you can still visualize that one It's good to have a plan. We always encourage that. But due to emergent information, you know, you can easily, you know, move things around, right? So if if one precedes the other, and then based on the emergent information, the sequence changes, you can easily pivot as a result of, you know, that emergent information. So that's another thing because you can freely and easily move things around responding to emergent information and change. And quickly. Yep. There is an aspect of having
4: people stand up and think together and physically manipulate the information that has a completely different set of cognitive benefits compared to sitting Mm. around at a meeting. Right. The
3: other one, which I don't want to forget, when you have the visualization of work, there is a sense of co-ownership among everyone Mm. that's involved in the board, right? So we co-own this. Especially if you see it, you say, that sticky I put there. Yes. Right. You know, yes.
1: there's some, but can this be done remotely too? Yeah, yes. you can. Yeah, we do. We, we, yeah. 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 we have tools that
2: we have a board that looks just like a whiteboard yes. with stickies yeah. on that that Marvin <laughs> that Marvin usually facilitates <laughs> from LA. <laughs> and yes, then right. Us two, you know, knuckleheads yeah. will be doing it from our, you know, our locations. Yes. <laughs> but it's a board wow. and we're mm-hmm. we're doing it remotely. But That's we're right. doing it at the same time. Yeah, it's and real time. Yeah, it's in real time. We're yeah. doing it. Um, you think sites can do that? Anyone can do yeah. that. Anybody, you can, can. anybody can do it. Anyway. Can do it. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
4: And it's not just what we tell our clients. It's how we work, too. Yeah, right. You know, right. You know we, we found it to be extremely effective in making sure that everybody's aligned. Mm-hmm. And then you have a goal for That's forward. pretty cool. Yeah.
1: Yes. I feel like a lot of the stuff you guys do, I mean, I don't know. Maybe I'm generalizing, but a lot of these companies that are too big mm-hmm. for their own good that... Have like ten managers yep. between the CEO and the workers. A lot of them could have thought of this too. Maybe they're afraid to execute it because mm-hmm. their job is mm-hmm. on the line, so it's safer to like, hey, let's hire Numa. Mm-hmm. Is there a lot of that happening? Like,
2: yeah, I hey, mean, I, I think- know you
1: like this sticky note. Like, if I hire you, you can do it, <laughs> and I, I don't like
4: risk losing my job there's a little bit of that I'll I'll give you two cases right case one is gonna be the savvy leaders a savvy leader looks around and says my team needs something and every single person on my team already has a 40 hour a week job Mm. I'm smart so I'm gonna get experts to help build this capability inside my team right so that's a smart use of consultants not necessarily just to do the work but to teach your team how to work in this way case number two would be oh man consultants are expensive I'll just tell Sally to do it. Well, Sally already has a a 40-hour-a-week job that if she doesn't do a good job at, she'll probably get fired. And so she looks at this extracurricular activity that boss man just dropped on her desk and says, all right, I'll do what needs to get done, but what I'm judged on, what I get promoted based on, what I get a raise based on, is my core job. So that's a case where it's penny-wise and pound-foolish because you're not going to get the results that you want. You're not going to get an expert that actually knows how to apply this to your work. You're going to get somebody who's going to Google or go to ChatGPT and muddle through and do their best, but that's very different than professional facilitation and professional coaching.
2: Mic
4: drop. Perfect. (laughs) Speechless. Well, thank you guys
1: for coming out here. I really appreciate it. Everybody go connect on LinkedIn. We have everyone's LinkedIn underneath this video or in the show notes. Um, It's really good to get
3: fresh perspective so yeah and thanks so much for the invitation dan yeah thank yeah. you guys.
2: thanks for, for having out. us
3: thank you it's very good experience for me first time experience uh, wow first time good. on a site it's first time on a site wow. and you know uh seeing things in action and your your team having fun and really doing delivering the job cute so. patient visits kudos too. to you not bad yeah, yeah. thank you guys i appreciate it thank everybody you everybody
1: like subscribe comment share go connect bye bye